Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are new, I am Charlie Lofton, the lead pastor here, and really glad you are worshiping with us. If you're here online or in person, either way, really, really glad that you are here with us today. A uh, quick announcement before we kind of get into it. Um, there have been times we've been trying over the last year to kind of give kind of like business finance updates, and we've been doing it at the beginning of a sermon every month or two. And we're trying something different. I just want you to be aware of it. We're going to start recording kind of five-minute-ish videos and kind of release those about, uh, put those out about once a month. And so be looking for that. You should see it if you get the Grove email. You see a link to it. It'll come out on social before that. Uh, So I just want to make sure everybody stays in the know about what's going on and how you can help and support what's going on here at the Grove. But we're trying to do it where it's not like it doesn't consume a whole lot of time during our sermon time. So we're trying a different way. We want everybody to be informed. And Sunday morning can be difficult because there's new, new people here. It can kind of take away. And so the only way this is going to work, though, is when you get the email or you see it and you got to click. You got to click. And it just just for my sake, just click and just even though watch, just let it play out so we get the view, right? I, I want to know that people at least are looking, right? So if you would, just please do. I want you to be informed. I want you to feel connected on what's going on here. But we want to try to keep Sundays uh, just more about worship and teaching, so just be on the lookout for that for the next couple of days. Uh, We're starting a new series today, and we are talking about just kind of these three key aspects, kind of of our the vision and mission of our church. And if you've been to Connections, you've heard these, and if you've been around here, you've heard us talk about these things pretty, pretty much every year for the last several years. These three very key, very simple principles that kind of guide the mission of our church. We want to love God, love people, and make disciples. This is what God has called us to. And so we spend some time talking about this every year, in part because it's really important, in part because it's a good rhythm. But really, it's, it's, an, it's a time for me, it's a time for our staff to kind of stop and evaluate kind of how are we doing in really the core functions of what it is that God's called us to. And so over the course of these three weeks, you'll hear us mention some things. I feel like maybe we're doing well, some things that we can improve on as a church. And so at the same time, kind of as we're doing this, I would encourage you to be doing the same thing personally. Because as you're trying to figure out kind of, you know, how's my life going? How's my spiritual life going? Am, am I being and doing who God's called me to be? Kind of evaluate because even though these are, we're saying these are kind of the three core principles of our church, but really they're just kind of three foundational principles of what the Christian life is, loving God, loving people, making disciples. So we're going to be talking about it as a church, but I'm hoping that also individually you can be thinking about, hey, is is my life headed the right direction? Because I don't know about you, but for me, the idea of, of orientation, being oriented, is really important to me. Actually, my counselor helped me with this a couple of months ago. It was kind of eye-opening for me that, like, if I walk into a situation and I don't know what's going on, I don't know what, I'm like, it's important for me, like, the questions I'm always asked, who's, who, who all is who going to be there? How long are we planning on staying? Just kind of whenever we're doing something, I, I kind of like to know. And so, so, so not only is it important for me, but then I like to help other people. And I'll tell you this kind of a silly example. I'm the guy who in our family, if there's going to be a kind of a, co- a potentially complicated movie, I'll go see it first. I'm the, I'm the screener, and it could come out of it as like, hey, I don't, I don't think you'll enjoy that. 
Or I think you will, but you need to, I need to tell you something first. How many, how many of you seen the Oppenheimer? Mm, more hands. We need more. It's actually really, it's actually a really good movie. It's very, it's very powerful. It's kind of overwhelming at points. Somebody asked me the other day, if, is it stressful? Is it stressful? I'm like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I can tell they're stressed. I'm not, I know what's going to happen. I mean, they're, they're uncertain. Is the test going to work? I don't know. I think I know. It's intense, but I don't know that I was particularly stressed. But here's the thing that I said to, my, to, the, to the fam. It's important that you understand that there are three timelines, three storylines at different times that are going on simultaneously. There's the, the, kind of the, the main storyline, which is the development of the atomic bomb, which is not a spoiler, right? I mean, it's, I mean come on, okay? This is, this is what it is. And then you kind of got this thing that's in... In the in a little bit in the future, where Oppenheimer, the the guy who is in charge of the project, is kind of being kind of grilled, kind of evaluated in kind of this meeting, and then and then even further in the future, is centered around Robert Downey's be, trying, character being com, converted, going to be confirmed, right? And here's the confusing part: this part, the part that is most in the future, is the black and white part. So don't get don't get confused by that. So these these are the kinds of this kind of information that I give out. And, I, and my, normally my middle daughter, Lauren, she would come with me. She's usually part of the scout team, but she lives in Kansas City now, which is a little heartbreaking to me. We didn't get to do that together. She actually got to see it before I did, and then when I saw it a couple of days later, I was like live texting her during the time we're talking about it. And I said all this to my older daughter, Maylee, who I didn't know would want. I didn't say, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but she turned out to, she loved it. And then I took Heidi to see it on Friday, and both of them were like, man, I don't, I needed that. So if you... If you're nervous because you think, now I've helped you get oriented, right? But it's not just, it's not just movies and things like that. Like, just a little low, it's kind of weird that I get. Like, if someone who normally doesn't text me, texts me and says, hey, can we meet? I don't know what you think happens to me, but it's like, 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 like and I'm trying to be cool, which is great. It's, it's on text. I can, I can, I can take five seconds to be cool. Yeah, sure. Oh, when, when can we meet? And like, basically, be like, this will be Tuesday. How about next Wednesday? Like, which is like eight days away. And I'm like, mm-hmm. that's, that's, so then I, again, I'm trying to be cool. Hey, so like, maybe what's up? Like, maybe just what what are we talking about? Trying to be real, real cool about it because you know it's kind of weird. If you really want to freak me out, and I know some of you are not nice people, <coughs> call me. Right, I finally got my daughters trained that if they call me and I say, "Hello, Dad, everything's fine," like they just they just start with that because why are you, why are you calling me? You're not texting me, right? And um, so I just kind of like to know. Even last week, we're having dinner with some friends that go to the church, and um, I wasn't involved in the setup of it at all. It's kind of a couple hours beforehand, and I looked at my wife like, "So, so, what is this? What what is this? Who set this up?" Oh, that was just me. It's totally casual. So do, do we have no agenda? Do we have a secret agenda? Do we have a clear agenda? No, no, it's just hangouts. So that's good. Okay, well, now, now I know what we're doing. We just want casual Charlie. Hey, friend Charlie. I can be friend Charlie. Like, like I don't know. I wear, like, my life can feel so complicated. It's important for me to have these kind of moments of orientation. And really, these three ideas... Loving God, loving people, making disciples. This is what they are. They're, they're, they're very clear roadmaps. They're more than just things we do. They really are 
orienting principles, and I think we'll look at these passages that these verses come from, and then we'll be able to see that. So we'll just jump in here in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So just to stop right here, kind of there's these different religious groups of Jewish religious groups that are, they feel like Jesus is challenging them, and so they're challenging him back, and they're trying to trick him. So one group tried and couldn't do it. Now another group is coming, and they're trying to catch him in something, and they ask him this question, what is the most important command in all of Scripture? Which is really interesting. If we are Christians... And there is a moment in time that is recorded where Jesus is asked, what is the most important thing that you can do? If, that, if that's there, then whatever comes out of his mouth should be foundational to any church, to any Christian organization, to anyone wanting to be a follower of Jesus, which is what we have here. Verse 37 Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. A couple of quick observations here. One is that they asked, he asked Jesus for one, he gave him two. And I think it's because the two of them together really kind of form this, this kind of this, this basis, according to Jesus, of like, hey, Everything depends on these two. So I, he gave him two. The other thing I find really cool, <clears throat> if I were to ask you, we're going to do a little quiz right now, hey, name a Bible commandment. Most of us are going to come up with a do not. Do not do this. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't lie. Something like that. Or maybe some of us might come up with something good we're supposed to do. But these are really more than do's and don'ts. They're really more relational commands. And the, and the big reason why all of that's important is because this last phrase that he says at the end, everything else, every other command, everything else that you are going to read in the law and the prophets, everything that you will see in what we would call the Old Testament, everything else depends on these two things. Which means, if you are doing these, these two things well, everything else is just telling you how to do it. You do these two things well, and you're doing everything. But the reverse is true. You can do all the do's and don't the don'ts. And if you miss out these two big things, you're missing out on everything, on really kind of this, this orienting idea. This is what all the commandments are about, loving God, loving people. And so what we're going to do today, if you've been around, we've, you know, we've taught on this passage, taught on this idea quite a few times. Again, it is one of the top two, three most important passages in all of Scripture, I would say, because of the, of, of the question that's being asked in Jesus' answer. But what we're going to do today is we're going to go back. Like, so where did this first commandment, love your God, love God with your, with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, different words are used in different places. Where does it come from? So we're going to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And where we are here in our story is, you know, the... the Israelite people were enslaved in Egypt, and Moses was called by God to go rescue them, which he does, and he takes them out of Egypt towards this land that God had promised them. 
and they get all the way to that land, and they were they 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 get cowardly. They kind of they rebel against God, and God punishes them. It's like, hey, you guys are gonna have to wander in the desert for an entire generation, and then we'll see if the next group, see if your kids can do better than what you did. So now they have wandered in the desert, and now they are back on the edge of the promised land again to accept this blessing that God has given them. And in this moment, Moses is repeating for them the laws that God had given them um, as they were coming along. And so essentially, again, to set this up, you've been slaves for 400 years. You don't know anybody who knows anybody who knows anybody what it means to live as free, independent people. And you need to understand the way life is supposed to be. So let me remind you again of what God's commandments are. And we find ourselves here, Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting verse 1. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Those so Moses is talking to the people here, you can tell he's, just, he's, 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 he's doing more here than just telling them what to do and not to do. It's like you are about to go into this land and you want to prosper. You want to do well. You want to live a long, good life. And you want that for your kids and you want that for your kids' kids. You want to do well. You want to prosper. All of this different phrasing. This is why I am saying all of this to you. And it begins here. Give your heart, your soul, your strength fully to God. Love God well. And it will go well with you. This is probably the most orienting of all of the verses. And that's kind of how I want us to think about it. That loving God is not just some simple command. Loving God is meant to be the orienting principle of your life. This is not just supposed to be some aspect of your life, but it is meant to be your life. And so I I think about this. I'm 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 an off and on again puzzler. I like like puzzles. I'll get really into it for a while, and then I'll take a break. And I I like big, complicated puzzles. I mean, I have like a little puzzle board now that you can put a really big puzzle on and and I don't know, everybody here is a, 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 a little bit different. Um, but, you know, for most of us, right, you've, the first thing you're trying to do is you're trying to find all the edge pieces. And so then you find all the edge pieces, you put them together, and there's nothing worse, right, than all of a sudden it's like, mm, uh, I'm missing one. And if it's a corner piece, it's even worse. Like, 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 like where, like, where is it? And it, and, it's, and it can be very frustrating. And then you get a little further on into the puzzle, and all of a sudden you've got this one thing, like this one little 
small picture of it, and there's a there's a piece missing, and and it and it there should there should be this, this is the only this is the only green piece left. It should be right here. Where where, where is it? And I'm like, where did it go? Where where did the dog eat it? We don't even have a dog. We don't even have a dog. And I'm wondering if the dog ate it. Like I'm thinking. Mm. Then I get real conspiratorial, right? Did one of the kids take it, put it in their pocket? Because they want to be be able to say they put in the last piece. Are they hiding it from me? Is it, did, did it get vacuumed? What, hap- what happened to it, right? And it can be really frustrating because, like, you feel like it's not working because I'm missing this key. I'm missing this key piece. And I think some of us come to church with kind of that idea that I've got my life that I'm putting together and I've got all of these different pieces and it feels like something's missing. And I'm hoping that I can come and get this God piece and put it in and then it will make sense. It'll be good. But if I were going to use that metaphor to describe what I believe that God is trying to communicate to us, what Jesus is saying in Matthew, what Moses is saying here in Deuteronomy, is that God is not a corner piece. He's not a centerpiece. Loving God, it, it's, it's the picture on the front of the box. It is, it is, it is that part that tells you what, what even this is supposed to be. And if we don't understand that having God as the primary, loving God is kind of this centerpiece, this center point of our life, then, 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 we're, then we're missing out. We're, we're trying to assemble the pieces of a puzzle that we don't even know what it's supposed to look like. And it is, it is a connection and a love for God that then tells us what this is supposed to be. And so we're not supposed to come here trying to add some little piece to our life, but we come here to hear from God because it is our relationship with Him, it is our connection with Him, it is our devotion to Him that orders the pieces. I mean, there's lots of different metaphors that you can use. It's like you don't have like this, like 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 spokes on a wheel, like I've kind of got, well, this is my... This is my personal life, and this is my family life, and this is my work life, and this is my spiritual life. And that, nope, he's the, he's the hub from which all of these different spokes come out. This is the key because we're all in different ways. We connect with some of these different phrases. I want it to go well with me. I want to enjoy long life. These are the things that I want. I, I, I want my kids to do well. And he's like, however you would define it, I want life. I want meaning. I want fulfillment. I want joy. I want peace. If that is what we want, then we need to move God from just simply a piece of the puzzle of my life and, and, and turn him into the picture. He is the one that tells me what all of this is. And so I want to love God with my heart, with my soul, and my strength. Now, in all the ways that this is told, it's in each one of the four Gospels. We find it here in Deuteronomy. You'll see different, different words. You know, we'll see some more and some other ones, different ones. And really, in each one of these instances, really what the big picture idea here is, 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 is kind of creating a holistic picture. 
that you need to kind of love God in every way possible. But what we're going to do today is we're kind of going to look at these individual words, these, and, and we're going to look at the one in Deuteronomy. We says, your heart, your soul, and your strength. Now, you have some idea about what those words mean to you. If I were to say, hey, you want to love God with your heart, you're going to think one thing. Hey, you need to love God with your soul, right? And whatever you came up with, you know, it's very highly, highly unlikely you're going to come up with something that's just wrong. I want to love God this way, and it probably will be a very good way. But what we're going to do is like when, when, these, when, the, when the people who heard this the very first time, as Moses is saying this to them, what did those words mean to them? What was specifically was Moses telling them, hey, this is the way, if you want to have order in your life, this is the way that I want you, this is the way that you need to love God. And the first one, it says, with your heart. Now, it's very obvious, like, I know exactly what you're thinking. You want to love God with your heart, you're thinking like some sort of emotional passion, which again, is fine, it's not wrong to love God that way, but that's not what they would have heard. When they hear this word heart, what they would have thought of is more just kind of, again, it really is kind of an orienting thing. How do I make sense of life? Heart is kind of the source of where wisdom comes. Like, who, like, who am I? What am I supposed to be? What, is I'm, what am I supposed to be about? If I'm supposed to be a dad, what does it mean to be a dad? If I'm supposed to be a husband, what does it mean to, for me to be a husband? Like, where does the thing that's like connects all the dots in life that connects my brain and the way that we would talk about it, right, helps me make sense of the way that the world is supposed to be. And so if I were going to give this kind of phrase, at its simplest, I would say that we need to believe what he says, especially around kind of the critical areas of our life. Like, how do, how do I live with wisdom? How do I look at a chaotic world and say, well, this is what I'm supposed to be about. I want to be a good parent. I want to be a good mom. I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good brother. I want to be a good sister. I want to be a good husband, a good wife. I want to be a good friend. How do I make sense of relationships? How are relationships supposed to work? Well, God speaks in that this is the way relationships are supposed to work. And I choose to believe that. Around money, what am I supposed to do? It seems like it's a big stumbling block. It causes a lot of anxiety. I see people struggling with it. How am I supposed to make sense of, of money? How, what role is it supposed to play in my life? What is the proper use and care for it? Well, God has some things to say about it. This is what money is supposed to be. This is money's proper place. And these are the principles by which you need to use your money. And I see that and I believe it. So my relationships, my money, my own view of sex and sexuality. Who am I supposed to be? What is the appropriate thoughts and actions that I'm supposed to have around this part of who I am? Well, God has some things to say about it. And I choose to believe those things and allow these things to be orienting principles for me, especially around the most complicated pieces of my life. God is not just simply an advice giver. If I'm trying to make sense of life, I go to the one who is the architect of life and he, and he, tells, he tells me, he tells me. But some of us like to argue back with him. 
as if he's like, hey, hey, God, how should life work? Well, you should do, you should, you you should do this. Like, ah, I don't know about that. I don't know if you've ever seen this. There's actually some really funny, some memes and things I've seen out there. Uh, the the Twitter account of uh, the the card game Uno, like the official account, like the official account of of the ga- the people who make the game, they'll come out there every now and then and remind some of us of what the rules are, and it gets actually pretty heated. Where again, it's not just some random account. This is the account of the people who produce and make this game, who wrote the rule book. They'll come out and say, "You can't play a draw two on another draw two. and people will be like, "Mm." No, no, you don't even know what you're talking about. Like, what do you mean you know what you're talking about? It, it's it is like literally Uno. You can't put a draw four on another draw four. No, that's not how we play. Well, I, I, okay, that's not how you play, but that's. I'm I'm telling you what the actual rules to the game are, and it's funny to watch people argue with the creator of the game about what the rules to the game in fact truly are, and some of us are a lot like that. Cranky, arrogant people on social media arguing with the creator. I guess I could say the game of life, but that's actually the name of the game. The the creator of life about what the rules should be rather than being someone, I'm going to humbly submit myself to the creator and architect of the game, the creator and architect of life. But it's more than that. It's, 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 it's more than just simply that. Like I want to love God with my, with my heart, but also with my soul. And I say soul, and most of us are going to immediately go to kind of this eternal, the, the eternal part of us, that which will live forever. And, 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 and again, the English word soul certainly has a lot of that connotation to it. But if, if we were to take the spiritual realm out of it, and I say your soul, right? Okay, now, now you're starting to think more about music or passion, passionate music of some sort. Now we're getting a little bit closer. Because the idea of soul, what they would have heard is that part of you that is built to really emotionally and relationally connect. When you have a great friend, it's your soul. Your soul is connecting with their soul. When, you're, when your marriage is going well, it is your soul that is connecting with your soul. And what we have here is God saying, I want you to love me with your soul. And so it's, deep, it's deeper and more than just believing what God says is that he wants us to pursue intimacy with him. He is, he is calling for a deeper relationship, something deeper and, and, and more than just simply, he's God, he's Lord, he's king, he tells me what to do, and I say yes. That is a part of it, but he's also calling us to, to not just simply a, a king relationship, a Lord relationship, but what we'll see a lot in the New Testament a, a father relationship. And as someone who very recently, really, kind of has two full-fledged adult daughters, they are, they both have jobs. They both live someplace else. Uh, one of them, our middle daughter, Lauren, she, she lives in another state now. I have no commands to give them. There are no rules that I have that they have to live by. We don't, our relationship is not that anymore. And what I crave from them is I I want them to know me and I want to be able to love them and I want to have a deep personal relationship with them 
Now, the, the incompleteness of that metaphor is we don't graduate, we don't age out of a system where we are no longer under the authority of the Lord and creator of the universe. But there is a sense in which our relationship with God becomes more complete and in fact does become more mature. While I continue to allow myself to submit to what he says life is supposed to be, I also know that he, he wants me. He loves me and I want to love him as someone that I am pursuing a passionate friendship, father-child relationship with. So, with our heart, with our soul, and with our strength, and there's really nothing particularly complicated about this, strength being in what you do, love God well. And so at its simplest, we'll say this, I believe what he says, I'm pursuing intimacy, and I'm also going to do what he says. But in addition to doing what he says, um, there's kind of also a sense in which, hey, in whatever you're doing, love God in it. So doing what he says means if he says that I should worship together with other believers, I'm going to do that. If he tells me that I should be loving and um, helping the poor, I will do that. Feeding the hungry, yes. If I need to go to tell the world about who Jesus is so that they can know him, I'm, I'm going to do that. Whatever he tells me I'm supposed to do, I'm going to do those things. But in addition to that, in all the things that you're doing, in the games that I play, in the job that I have, driving in the car, in whatever it is that I'm doing, however it is I'm using my strength, in what I'm doing, I'm going to honor God with who I am, with what I do, with what I believe, in the way that I connect with Him in all aspects of my life. Loving God is an orienting principle for me. And then we're going to spend some time next week talking about loving people and how that functions the same way. And then we're going to end with making disciples. And fast forward here a little bit, like this idea of, because all these things, like really what I'm saying here is I'm, I'm going to do what he says. I'm going to believe what he, I'm going to believe what he says. I'm going to do what he asks. I'm going to, all this, that's what that's, that's what it means to be a disciple. I'm a life oriented around being a follower of Jesus. And you may hear all that and think, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed, I don't know these things. And this is kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but we've got, I've got a special guest here in the lobby. I don't know if you saw him. It's Dave with a ministry called Downline. He got donuts. You should totally go see him. He's, he's a great guy and they've got a great ministry. They teach a class um, basically to help you get the equipping and the knowledge that you need to really understand the Bible, to understand who God has called you to be, and to get some practice in doing some of the things that he's called us to, which is to help and teach others. It's an incredible class. It was in Northwest Arkansas for a few years. They took a break, and now they've got a new staff team here. This will be their second year. Our first year, our very own Matt Vaughn took the class, and you need to know this, you need to know this. They had an awards banquet, and he was student of the year. So when you see him, when you see him, you need to tell him. And if the youth are watching this online right now, give him a high five right now to him. Um, it's an incredible deal. And I don't want to oversell it to the point to where you need to understand, it's a big commitment. It lasts the entire school year. It's quite a few hours a week. There's some cost to it. 
But it is an incredible, it is, it, is, it, is, it is most certainly worth the conversation. Because one of the things that I feel like is really important for us is we've got to get as a church and as individuals reoriented around what God has called us to. To not be people who are coming here to get a little more religious, to kind of develop a quality spiritual life, but to allow these principles that, that Jesus has given us to be the defining orientation of our life. That what my life is about is about loving God well. What my life is about is loving people. What my life is about is becoming and making disciples. And I want, we need to start with number one, that my life is about loving God well. And so I'm going to choose to believe what he has to say about where life really is. I'm going to pursue a relationship with him. And what he tells me to do, I'm going to do. Let me pray. God, I do pray. I pray that none of us here are coming here and we're just trying to be religious. Trying to get a little spiritual boost. And God, if that's why we're here, I'll take it back. I'm glad that's why we're here today. But God, I pray that we'd be striving for something more. Not to be religious, but to live capital L life with you. And God, I pray that you would just kind of just help us level up about what it is we're doing here and the role that you're calling us for, for you to have in our life. And so God, I pray that we would, we would love you fully. I would trust what you say and let you be the one that is laying out life for us. The God that we would pursue you fully. And the God that we would be about what you've called us to. And as always, so thankful for your son Jesus Christ and the death and the sacrifice that he made for us. That is the only reason that this is possible. That we can be reconciled to you through the death and resurrection of your son Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.